Blog Talk Radio.
Yeah. yeah. Welcome, folks. Yeah, another hour. Yet again, the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Mm-hmm. Today's date is December 11th. 2014 United States of America Planet Earth Third Planet from the Sun I'm your host Dr. C. Robert Uh Uh Yeah <laughs> Let's get right down to it Alright the call in number is 347-884-8500 You know I was just looking at my um my stats, my stats for my show. You know, over the course of, um, well, since 2010, uh, I had, uh, uh, well, I think, uh, well, no, no, the numbers are right here. Um, just slightly, just a, just a couple hundred under 500,000 listens. Um, both live and uh after after show downloads for folks who who are um unable to uh, you know uh, uh listen to the show live so a combination of um n- nearly nearly a half million which isn't bad uh it's not uh you know some of the, some of my fellow uh blog talk radio hosts like G Ski and some of the others are 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 doing are doing so much better because their shows are so much better quite frankly but you know, it's not bad, you know, considering that when I started uh, my blog talk radio show, um, I had one listener, one listener for, for weeks on end, and his name was uh, was uh, Beach Bum, and he has since uh, passed on, and I'm very sad about that still. Um, he was my first listener, and he'd tune in every night faithfully at, at 8 p.m., and Every night that I broadcast, he was there, and you know. And then uh, I had my second listener, which was Tesla, and uh, I'm sure some of you who are in Blog Talk Land uh, remember him. I'm not sure he still has a show on Blog Talk Radio, but then he he uh, he asked for my phone number and he gave me a call and he gave me some pointers on how to how to um, you know spice up my show a little bit, and I really did appreciate that. And then you know, well, the rest is uh, is uh, is what we what we have here. So uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm very happy, you know, that uh, that this show has been doing well for for such a long time. And I want to thank all of you for um, for listening. And you know, it's great. Let's start off with our our um, historical figure. Historical figures that you didn't know were black. Let's kick it off with Jacqueline. Onassis. So, the question is, first, was Michelle Obama our first African-American first lady? Or was it Jackie O? Mm Mm-hmm. Jacqueline Onassis is a member of the Van Seeley family, famous for their mulatto heritage. Jackie O's ancestor, John Van Seeley de Grassi, was the first black American formally educated as a doctor. Want to hear that one more time? Jackie O's ancestor, John Van Seeley de Grassi, was the first black American formally educated as a doctor. Her socialite father was nicknamed Black Jack Bouvier because of his dark complexion. More Van Seeley facts you want to know, you ask? Both actor Humphrey Bogart and journalist Anderson Cooper are descendants of that famous family. So maybe they're they're black too. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> That's the that's one. We'll have we'll have one, perhaps two more, toward the end of the show. When when the teleprompter 
hits the fan. That's going to be our first segment for tonight. Now, listen up. Ronald Reagan earned the title of the great communicator, not only because of his effective speaking style, a disarming sense of humor, or what you see is what you get attitude. Reagan spoke to individuals, not to the crowd. Remember? He, he, he emanated warmth, empathy, and integrity, unlike our current resident in the White House. Whenever politicians implicitly address people as the masses, thus forgetting about our separate and unique identity of human beings, they make an important communication mistake. The crowd, after all, is not a brainless matter. It's made up of capable, logical, reasoning people. Doublespeak is used to deliberately distort meanings of words, cushion the shock, and embellish a problem. It can work on condition that the public is accustomed to waffling and choosing not to react to minor conundrums. But, you know, this tricky technique will in the end betray the orator. If a euphemism keeps coming back like a boomerang, shared sacrifice, tax increases, you know, that kind of thing, or if the speaker uses revolutionary colloquially, classifying Fort Hood, the Fort Hood massacre, remember that, as an incident of workplace violence, rationalizing such things. You know, General Patton said, nobody ever defended anything successfully. There is only attack and attack and attack some more. Think about that. Cow living. <laughs> no, I want links to prove your point. Um, uh, Cal, uh, Cal living is in the uh, chat room. Links to prove my point regarding uh, which part, um, Cal? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, the black part. Okay. All right. All right. I'll provide those then. Yeah, 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 Cal. Yeah, you weren't here. Uh, you weren't listening yesterday when we when we threw out the big bomb. Clark Gable, African American heritage, black man, black and uh, Native American. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, actions speak louder than words. But if political speeches are preserved in the National Archives, it's because they help us learn our history and shape our future. President Obama said, and I quote, the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam, end quote. Contrast that with what President Reagan stated, and I quote, the future does not belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave, end quote. Every public speaker will either acknowledge his audience's right to freedom of opinion and expression or learn it the hard way. And thus, we segue into our next topic, the topic of our show. But remember this, folks. The last word always belongs to the people. They'll clap their hands or boo, show the utmost respect or the highest finger. Political snake charmers who rely on submergence or subterfuge, well, they don't tend to last long. They, they tend to be found out sooner or later. Thus, the love affair with Barack Obama is truly over. Six years after offering hope and change, polls show the American public has fallen out of love with their president. 
So the question is, where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong? The call in numbers 347-884-8500. Barack Obama romped. He romped to the presidency of the United States in 2008 on a tidal wave of hope and change. Back then, the financial crisis was raging, and U.S. troops were still engaged in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. I number myself as one. But a fresh-faced Mr. Obama brimmed with confidence. He predicted that future generations would look back on his election and see the moment when, and I quote, the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. When we ended a war and secured our nation and restored our image as the last best hope on earth. We all remember that speech. Some in the media got a tingling up their leg as a result. Where do we start with this? The last best hope on earth. If we are now considered to be the last best hope on earth, then the the earth is doomed. You know, Mr. Obama has run this country into the ground in the six years he's been president. He's run us into the ground. We're not looked upon as the last best hope. We're not respected around the world as we used to be. We don't have partners anymore. We have more enemies than we have friends. Our economy is in near free fall, despite what some of the numbers tell us. Uh, we are that that state that we are in an ascendance rather than a decline. But that doesn't speak to the greater issues of entitlements and how in just a few short years we won't be able to afford to pay out those entitlements. We'll have less coming in in taxes than we will be spending in entitlements. Thus, fairly soon, a lot of folks who are getting these government freebies, guess what? You're done. At some point in the very near future, Social Security is going to collapse. Medicare is going to collapse. All of these freebies that a lot of us, my my family members and ancestors included, the well is going to run dry. And then what we're going to have is chaos and, and anarchy. And unfortunately, the President of the United States is sowing the seeds of that right now with his – he and Eric Holder's uh, discussion. <laughs> They're sowing the seeds of mistrust of authority. Policemen are our first line of defense. They are our protectors. They enforce the law. They are the first line of defense. And if President Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder get their way, that first line of defense will be weakened greatly in the coming years. Imagine virtually no respect for the rule of law, for those who enforce the law, and then the chaos of a crumbling economic infrastructure where Folks are not getting their free stuff. Imagine the looting and rioting and discontent among the American people who have become so used to getting their freebies. When the country finally does go bankrupt, because at some point it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. When you spend more than you take in, it's just basic economics. Think about it, folks. It's just a matter of time. We may not live to see it, those who, of us who are in our 50s, like myself. Then again, I think it's only 30, 20 to 30 years away. 
Now, Cal Living in the uh, in the chat room says that uh, Obama has put a wedge in our community, divided us by all measures, race, economic, care, business, working, on and on. What would happen if the police protested and refused to work in those black areas that did not want them there? That's what uh, Cal Living has written in our chat room here. I, I never thought of it that way. What would happen if police refused to work in those areas? And, okay, you'd probably have a few police who would say, oh, I'll go work in there, that area, because, you know, a lot of police have that thing where they want to be protectors. So you might have a few, but a greatly diminished show of presence, not force, but presence. What if a great many officers refuse to work in high-crime areas because, first, they don't feel respected. They don't believe that they have the backs of, of, their, of their commanders, of the government, where Eric Holder is attempting to neuter. <laughs> he's he's attending to, uh, attempting to, to cut the balls off of the police officers and neuter them. Or is it spade? I get those confused. He's attempting to do both of those because there are women officers as well, I guess. But nevertheless, what would happen? That is a very good point. What would happen? What we would see would be anarchy, death, and a whole lot of destruction. And then where would Mr. Obama be? Because, you know, I, as best I know, and I'll be there in just a few days. Obama lives on the near south side in a little area called Hyde Park. Now, just a block away in, in any direction from Hyde Park, very near the University of Chicago, the Museum of Science and Industry, and all those areas, surrounding this enclave of Hyde Park is the down and dirty ghetto. I'm talking... You cross one street, and there's million-dollar homes. I'm talking million-dollar homes. Cross the street, and there's a run-down tenement and a vacant lot with tires and bottles, broken bottles and glass. You, you know the whole thing. All of that, just across the street in my hometown of Chicago in a little area called Hyde Park. So what would happen? If the police pulled out of those areas, what do you think would happen to Hyde Park then and the University of Chicago? Yeah. They're having a hard time, as it is, keeping those property values up, uh, surrounded by that massive ghetto. So, yeah. Cal Living has a great point, something that we didn't think of. But let's fast forward to now. Well, after Obama, six years ago, when Obama predicted that the rise of the oceans would slow down, our planet would heal or begin to heal, wars would be ended, and we'd emerge our image intact as the last best hope on earth. Six years later, Mr. Obama is weary and great and finds his job approval rating stuck in the low 40s, in the 30s as of today. For 17 consecutive months, polls have shown that a majority of Americans disapprove of his leadership or lack thereof. The November midterms were a referendum. Obama – and folks are wondering, well, why doesn't Obama listen to the people? America's spoken. We're not feeling his policies. We're not digging him. You know, we're not buying what you're selling. We're not, we're not smelling what Barack is cooking. So what has he got to lose? He can do whatever the hell he wants now. As long as he stays one foot shy of impeachment or getting his ass thrown in jail, he can do whatever he wants now because 
he's not nobody's digging him. He doesn't have any pressure whatsoever to live up to any expectations. Any. And this is what makes this man dangerous. He's got two years left. And as long as he – he doesn't have to you, – do you think – a lot of folks are talking about his legacy as president. Well, you know, he's got to be concerned right now about his legacy. No, he doesn't because I firmly believe that President Barack Hussein Obama doesn't give a damn about his legacy. He's going to believe he is the shit no matter what we think. He is the ultimate narcissist and – he doesn't care what you think. He's going to do what he wants to do during these last two years. And the Republican Party, Congress, and the Senate, we thought they were going to be our hope. They were going to save the United States of America from Barack Hussein Obama, and they've proven to be pretty much dickless. They're, they left their balls at home. In a drawer or in a jar somewhere. You cannot, because I believe that the Republican Party, once they get a hold of power, all they're concerned about is holding on to power. And so they're walking that fine line where they don't want to upset too many people on this side, and they don't want to set upset too many people on this side, and know what's going to happen. Six years from now, they're going to be gone again, and the Democrats will be back because Republicans in the House and in the Senate are not willing to say, you know what? No. This madness has to end. It has to stop right here and now, and we're going to put a stop to it. You know, just as Barack Obama doesn't give a damn about what the people of this great nation think, what they what we want. I believe that Republicans should pretty much feel the same way. Because it's the only way that Republicans are going to put a halt to what Barack Obama is putting down. Since Mr. Obama took office, facing the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, unemployment has fallen from 10% to somewhere around 5 And American businesses have created 10 million new jobs. That's more than Japan, Europe, and every other advanced economy combined. So where did we go wrong? It was the economy, stupid. So why do only... 39% of Americans approve of his handling of the economy. It's because too many of those jobs are, are MAC jobs. That is, low-paid, part-time work that don't leave people feeling better off. In numerical terms, GDP has risen by 8% since Mr. Obama took office, but median household incomes are down 4%. And unlike during the George W. Bush years, there is no household housing boom or easy credit make to make up the difference. Then there were the health care reforms that were bad for a president's health. Elected on a wave of euphoria from both Democrats and Republicans, Mr. Obama bet the House on reforming America's Byzantine health care system, quite literally, as it turns out. He succeeded in forcing Obamacare reforms through Congress, but the payback came in the 2010 midterm elections. The Tea Party movement was born, and a fired-up Republican base took back the House of Representatives. Washington has been gridlocked pretty much ever since. The big hurdle was the individual mandate that forced all Americans to buy health care insurance on pain of a fine. Mr. Obama appeared to underestimate how little Americans born to be free like being mandated to do anything. I guess he forgot about that part. 
Now, Cal Living writes in the chat room. Obama is in the White House for his personal gain and never for the people. Obama's legacy is when he gets to be president of the U.N. Huh. You know, I dig the first one, but Obama's legacy is when he gets to be president of the U.N. See, here's what I think, Cal. Obama has spent all of his capital, his political capital around the world. He's no longer respected. You know that guy who got the Nobel Peace Peace Prize while serving only six months in office and presiding over two wars and killing folks all over town with his drone strikes all over the all over the all over the world. He's not gonna be president of the UN because preferably you know, nobody respects the guy. All our friends who could have helped get him there can't stand his ass. He's alienated Britain, Great Britain, which hold, which wields great influence. He's he's alienated the Israel. He's a, alienated most Arab countries. He's not going to get the votes for that. I, I I I I you know you listen hear hear me now. Believe me later. He is not going to get the to be president of the UN. It's just not going to happen. Folks can't stand the man. He was loved. He he was it was like a new marriage, wasn't it? It was like it was his when he when he ascended to the presidency, it was like we all we just got married. And we love each other so. And we had such a great honeymoon. But like most of us who have been married for a little while, that love affair tends to get a little sour after a while. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like it was, you know, the first uh your first six months, the first couple of years, things get kinda you know, kinda it's and, and and it's gotten like that. You know what I'm talking about. And it's kinda gotten like no, it's gotten like that for Barack Obama. So we're gonna take a short break, we'll come right back and we'll we'll pick this up. And then uh we'll take our calls. We got a couple of calls or callers on the line, so we'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll be right back. His mind on nothing else. Trade by Taliban for a deserter he's found. If she is gone, he can't see it. She can do no right. Stand up and applaud if you put her down. some who help with the promoting. One group that often goes unrecognized 
are the wives of Internet Talk Radio hosts. They are the ones who tolerate our dalliances and the time we invest in our hobbies. Well, this is one way we can properly recognize those who are closest to us by broadcasting their sincere sentiments regarding our passions. Are you going to stay up all night? You're a family, you know. You're always at that computer. How much money do you make doing that dumbass radio show? You're not the only one that lives there, you know. You better come and eat. I'm not bringing it in there. Dr. C. Robert Jones, Doctor of History from the College of William & Mary, not a medical doctor. All right, before we get back into the show and take our calls, that, the, the song is Third World, and it's titled uh, Sense of Purpose. It's one of my favorite songs from the late 80s, uh, Third World, a, a, a Jamaican um uh, group from the island of Jamaica. I just posted a uh, Facebook uh, picture and uh, link because we're gonna we're gonna do our next. You didn't know he was black. Yeah, I posted the picture on my Facebook page for you to judge for yourself. It's a it's a it's a uh, it's a uh, cast of his face. Now. Beethoven. Yes, Beethoven. The famous classical composer's mother was a Moor. M-O-O-R. His mama was a Moor. That alone says he's black. It's a fact that became popular again after the cast of the picture that I posted on my first Facebook page of his African facial features contradicted the idolized paintings of the man history likes to reimagine. Beethoven, black man, Moore, oh yeah, love it, deal with it. Next time you listen to Beethoven, remember, he was black as the ace of spades. <sighs> <laughs> Let's take our first caller. Caller, you're on with the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yeah, is that me? Hello. Y- yeah, yeah, hello. Cap, this is a, this is a gunslinger. What's going on? Hey, there he is, gunslinger. How are you, man? Oh, okay, here in Texas. It's kind of staying cool, but it ain't freezing cold. Yes. <laughs> Not turning into an iceberg. So. Yeah, well, I'm here. I'm headed out to Chicago on Saturday or at the latest Sunday, and I'm going to be driving, so it's going to be very interesting. Um, That's an interesting drive. (laughs) Yeah, it's a 12-hour drive, but, um, you know, I'm going to be going through uh, Tennessee and Kentucky and then straight on in uh, through Illinois. I probably won't be cutting through uh, Indiana, 
But hey, what do you want to talk about? Well, you was mentioning something about the police earlier. You know, if you go and and do a little bit of research, you'll find out that the uh, that the police owes you no protection. Your own Supreme Court has ruled on that. A lot of people mm-hmm. doesn't. They can't fathom that. They really cannot fathom. But if you go and look up the cases, where your own Supreme Court now has ruled that the police owes you no protection. So who who is out there to protect you? Well, if you go and stand in front of a mirror, the person looking back at you, that's who is going to protect you. Police are not going to. They're just there to clean up the, the, the mess or the, do the paperwork. That's it. Well, yeah, yeah, that that that's right. Primarily, when police forces were established, especially back in the um, in the early in the late 1900s, uh, their primary um, responsibility was to protect property. Um, and and uh, a lot of police um, mantras began with protecting property. Life and liberty and all that, that didn't come until later. But you're absolutely right, uh, Gunslinger. Um, it's not there. It's something that they, they, they usually will take into, um, you know, they, they'll, they'll do it, but uh, it's not their job to protect you. You're absolutely right. Um, even though a lot of police cars have on their on their vehicles to protect and serve or to serve and protect um, you know, it's a romantic notion because a lot of police officers, you know, just because they ha- they have a gun and you know and, and a badge doesn't mean that you know they're especially nowadays gunslinger when you have the police being attacked from government officials from the top all the way down. It's very hard. I can only imagine how disheartening it it's going to be. My son. My youngest son is going to be sworn in as a police officer next Tuesday, hence my drive to Chicago. And uh, I can't imagine, you know, how he must be feeling about the whole thing, um, you know, given the fact that the the cops have uh, been uh, maligned by the government from the president all the way down. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you remember that you've got to separate police from, say, the sheriff. Remember, the sheriff is a duly elected official. That's, that's constitutional. Yeah. Okay, police are not. Okay, that was came back. That came later. And remember what police breaks down into. It breaks down into policy. Police policy. See the see the resemblance there. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. they they protect the policies. Okay, which are not law. Uh, city ordinances, for example, those are policies. Okay, they're not true law. They have no. They can't even stand a candle to to true law. They're just mm-hmm. cool. So once all this great incorporation that this country has gone through now, you know, it's no longer America. It's America Incorporated LLC, Limited Liability Corporation. Okay, that's when these policy enforcers come in. Okay, Ch- show me in the Constitution where it says that, that it's against the law to go five miles over the speed limit. Even though it's even though back then it was wagons and horses and stuff, it still doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Okay? The Constitution, once it was laid out, will never change. You cannot change it. You would have to have every state in the union there to change, and that's not going to happen, especially in the southern states. Okay. But what about so, those uh, gunslinger that say that the uh, that 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 the uh, Constitution is uh, a living do- should be a living document that uh, you know it was written by a bunch of old. Um, you know, white guys back in the uh, the the late seventeen hundreds, and it shouldn't uh, really apply to today's America. Things are so much more complicated now. What do you say to that? It's not really complicated. I mean, you can you can put the code on as complicated if you want. You can make anything complicated. You can make a a blade of grass complicated if you want. Okay, mm-hmm. it's just what. The American people have put on that. The, 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 the founding fathers, you know, those, those great terrorists back then, you know, that they, yes. they teach now, okay, that they were terrorists and all this good stuff. Actually, they were pretty smart terrorists, okay, because they set down a set of laws, and that's all you need. You know, it's just like the, that cop 
I think it's what is it called, cop watch or cop block or something like that. Where yeah. is the victim? There is no crime unless you have a victim. Okay, so how can you have a crime if there's no victim? Okay. Yeah. yeah, sure, you can sit there and, and cuss somebody out and jump up and down and paw the ground all day long. But as long as you don't physically get into an altercation with them, that's when the rules change. Okay. Yeah. Just like with that Ferguson case up there up, up, up there in Missouri, okay, in Ferguson. Okay, that was a justifiable shoot. Okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can't accept the truth. And, and you know, you got to look at take the take the the Wilson guy take his take his his badge away take the uniform off get rid of the car what if that was just a regular old Joe Blow citizen out there and that happened mm-hmm. it would be the same thing so you no, know no being being a cop does not exert you extra rights okay they're 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 you know they're not above the law a lot of them think they are but technically they're not above the law now that 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 killing in New York where they where they actually murdered that guy. I forget the guy's name for selling the cigarettes, okay? Now those cops ought to be hung and dried out in the wind. Okay. That was mm-hmm. a clear case of murder. Okay. That was that should be murder one. I mean when you have four or five big old guys that weigh over two hundred pounds a piece on you, that's what, eight hundred pounds of, of pressure being exerted on your body, I'm sorry, but a body cannot withstand 800 pounds of pressure, and one got you around the neck and a chokehold. Uh, yeah. No wonder he said he couldn't breathe, okay? So even though the guy was unarmed, you know, just like Ferguson, he was unarmed, but yet he had already popped the cop in the in the face a couple of times. He had already went for the officer's gun. That's just like going for my gun that I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a 357 Magnum, okay? Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. every legal right to shoot you if you try to go for my weapon, that's called self-defense. Yeah. But in that New York case up there, that is a clear thing of murder, okay? Because they just stood around with their thumbs up their asses and like, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> for selling what? Cigarettes? You've got to be kidding me. Is there no exactly. crime in New York? Is that all they have to do is go around and kill people for, oh, you didn't pay your tax. So that guy was killed because... He didn't pay his tax. Welcome to America. Right. Go ahead. He was selling <laughs> illegal cigarettes on the street. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine and that? So, yeah. Hey, Doc. Well, we, 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 we certainly do agree, and we're in good company in our agreement that these police officers, uh, all of them, should have been fired. And, and Gunslinger, the whole race issue where uh, de Blasio came out and started talking about race and and all of that craziness. You know, the video clearly shows, and it was pointed out in in all the right circles, that the ranking officer involved was a black woman. She's in the video. She's participating in the takedown. And yet... She And at any time, being the ranking officer, she could have put a stop to what was going on. But nobody's actually going to go out and say, how many, how many times have you heard, have you heard about this until now, Gunslinger? That the ranking officer on the scene right there in the melee was a black woman, a black sergeant? I, I didn't hear that, but see, that makes it even worse. So you well, it makes ranking... it even yeah, it makes it worse yeah. for the police. But the, the 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 thing I'm saying is that you know it's not a you know, but but it's been made out to be a racist incident. It can't yeah, be a, a racist a, incident when you've got a black sergeant who's who's all who's all up in there. Yeah, it's not a race issue. You know, it's just that, like I said, there wasn't a a, a race issue, and it wasn't a race issue in Ferguson either. I don't give a damn mm-hmm. if you're black, white, pink, pokey dotted with stripes between your legs. It doesn't matter to me. It's just like in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. If if I was that cop and the guy was white, and I'm white, and he would have mm-hmm. done that to me, I would have unloaded my clip into him. Sorry. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. But we agree. they have to put this yeah, they have to put this race thing on there. Why? What about all the the black on black killings 
that is that goes on in New York, Chicago. You know, you said you were from Chicago. So, gee whiz, I mean, what about all that stuff? I mean, people are damn near murdered every day in these, uh, Detroit. There's mm-hmm. another one. Okay. But Why what about isn't what, that made from? Mm-hmm. Uh, t- uh, we have a, uh, a, a a chatter in the chat room that says that they don't agree, uh, Gunslinger. He said that uh, he died an hour later of a heart attack. They don't agree that uh, that they should not. He says he does agree that they should not have treated him the way they did, but it was not racist. They took him down for taxes. Uh, have you have you had have you had enough yet? You know you know, and, and I think you you've spoken to that. It's not a race issue. It it uh, it's an issue where it, it's a it's a overuse of force, which may or may not have. You know, uh, precipitated uh, to the point where the the the, the young man uh, suffered a heart attack. He he'd had some serious uh, health issues already: high blood pressure, diabetes, um, severely overweight. You know, it was probably going to have just a matter of time before he not he killed over anyway. But you know, so it's it's not as all it's not actually it's not so clear that you know what they did. You know, contributed to his death, and I think that's why the grand jury uh, decided not to indict. However, just because the grand jury didn't decided not to indict doesn't mean that they shouldn't all be fired and working as mall cops somewhere. True. Well, you know, here's here's the point on that. He he was approached for selling untaxed. Free cigarettes. I've never heard of that. That is crazy. Okay. I mean, like I've said, does the cops in New York City have nothing better to do? Is Stop there no more me crime? Talk. Is there no more All right, crime? Hold on. I mean, come on. <laughs> hold on a minute, Gunslinger. We have, we have, um, we have our, our, our other caller on the line. And, uh, so she wants to get in here. Come on in here. Talk about it. Hey, it's Karen. Karen from Idaho. From Idaho. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Karen. Yeah. I, okay. Just, yeah. I disagree with Gunslinger because, um, on the grounds that he was not approached for selling the, the cigarettes, um, the police had received a lot of complaints from the store owners there that he was harassing their customers who were coming in and out of their stores, and that's why the police were called because he was bothering their customers and um so when the police got there the police would not have attacked him just willy-nilly he was resisting arrest you know he kept being belligerent with the cops and they took him down because he was resisting arrest had not you know cigarettes really had nothing to do with what was going on what he was being stopped for mm-hmm. um and so i i think that the rest of the story needs to be out there, and yes, the, the black lady was black lady sergeant was there supervising. You know, if she thought they were using too much force on him, she probably would have stopped him. But I believe that the officer who had his arm around the guy's neck was Italian. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, mm-hmm. if you look at his last name, it's it's not an American normal. You know, I'd say a common white name. I think his last name is Italian. So there's a lot of things to that story that people like to forget about. What do you think, Gunslinger? Well, it sounds like the guy was uh, also, you could hear, you heard him on the video saying he was constantly been harassed. Now, that proves to me that he's probably have sold these cigarettes before, loosely, okay? And mm-hmm. like I said, is selling cigarettes a a major crime in New York City? I mean, come on, think about it. That's, I mean, that's not what it was about, Gunslinger. That's not well, what it was what about. They, that's what they claimed that it was. He was selling untaxed cigarettes. Okay, well, okay, well, say that, see, say that was true. Say about... that... Okay, let's Go just ahead. say that was true. Uh, so, I mean, so there's no, so you cannot stand anywhere in a free country and sell un- untaxed or I guess untaxed cigarettes. Number one, that's an excessive force. I mean, yeah, the guy was big, but, you know, when you just sit there and an officer that is in a superior position stands there and the guy, you heard him, 
saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Well, if gee, he wins, couldn't I breathe, mean, he wouldn't be able to say that. If he well, he said it on the, uh, on the deal. I mean, he said it on the video. The video that I've seen, I don't know what video you've seen, but the one that was on YouTube, okay? But well, still, well, but she when does you make have a, good, a bunch a of these point, big guys it? like that, that weigh over 200 pounds on top Doc. of you, holding you down, you, mm-hmm. I mean, you might escape a few words there. And if you, if you even, even if, if anybody hears, I can't breathe, they should have released it right there. There was plenty well, of guys now. there to take him. Well, hold, hold on, guys. guys to, you know, Hold on, hold on a minute. You know, Cal Living makes a point in the chat room that this guy had, was arrested over 30 times for breaking the same law. Go on. Hey, Doc, I worked at the courthouse, and one time I heard some noises coming from the jail, and I went over there to see what was going on. And they had a prisoner strapped on flat on his back on a backboard, and he was screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I looked at the jailer, and he's like, "If he could breathe, couldn't breathe, he wouldn't be sitting, laying there screaming. I can't breathe." No doubt. Because the, no, that, I the mean, jailer that makes isn't gonna. Well, it just depends on what it is. I've seen the same thing in jail before. I mean, the people have been brought in there for drug overdoses. It's like they have a seizure, and they just like, oh, oh really? Uh, you know, oh, really? He's fixing to die? Well. I, I don't know because you I know, like it, I, I like to support our law enforcement. They're really not as bad as everybody says they are. Well, well no doubt they're I not. Disagree with you on that because I was in law enforcement for three years. That's why I quit because I've seen the corruption. I seen mm-hmm. the the backstabbing. Okay, all right. We had a case here in Dallas. Okay, uh, been a number of years ago now, where the Dallas police ground up sheetrock, you know, the sheetrock that's on your wall, and tried to sell it yep. for crack cocaine, okay? They got busted, <laughs> of course, okay? And I'm serious. All right. It made the front right. page of the newspaper. Yeah, I believe you. Okay. Well, hey, guys, we've got we've got less than a minute. We've got about a minute okay. left, and so we got, we got to wrap up this show. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. I appreciate the call-ins, and all the chat room chatter has been great. I certainly do appreciate that as well. You guys are all great, and you helped make the show tonight, and I do appreciate it. Now, we'll be back Monday, and I'll be broadcasting from my hometown of Chicago, and I'll be there hey, for a Chicago few days with my son. Chicago is halfway to Idaho. Yes, it is, and my son, uh, Nick, is going to become be sworn in as a police officer on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m., and I'm going to be there, and so that's why I'm going to Chicago, but we'll be broadcasting. Our next show is going to be Chicago, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Please do tune in. Thank you so much for listening tonight. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We are out. Good night, folks. Through early morning fog I see Visions of the things to be The pains that are withheld for me I realize and I can see That suicide is painless I can take or leave this if I please. The game of life is hard to play. I'm gonna lose it anyway. The losing card I'll someday lay. So this is all I have to say.
take or leave it if I please. 